welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Big Boy's Cigar Lounge here in, what, Salacious Spring Hill, Tennessee, I think? Uh, exotic. Exotic. Exotic Spring Hill, No, it's got to be an S, because it was beautiful Brentwood, so it's got to be, you know, oh, okay. sensual Spring Hill. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Deadman. I'm joined as I am every week by a man who, due to a typo, now owns 17,000 shares of GNC stock, Mr. Shane Reeves. <laughs> you know, that article has really stirred up a lot more, um, stirred up a whole lot more uh, press than I think it deserves. If, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of nerds got their panties in a wad about that article. If if you actually follow the story, which I've been doing, it's it's incredibly interesting. Yes, yeah, so we can discuss. We, it, it's, it doesn't make for good discussion on the podcast, right. though. This I ain't the stock that. cast. This is the cigar cast. That's right. And um, we got a cigar guest this week. We do. It's been a while since we've had a guest on the show. So this week we have John Graves with Dapper Cigar Company. How's it going, guys? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So. I have to tell I have to tell a story on John. Back at the first or uh, middle of 2020, I started seeing dapper cigars every shop I went into, every lounge I went into, everything, and I said he mu- this rep must be the nicest dude ever because everybody seems to buy his sticks. People that normally just kind of brush off boutique brands were buying his sticks. So I'm down in Madison. I'm at the anniversary party. And there stands a guy, he's wearing the vest, he's got the tweeds on, he's got the hat, and I said, that's got to be the Dapper guy, with a name like Dapper. And I walk up and introduce myself, and he says, hi, so-and-so, CLE Cigars. <laughs> I said, where's the Dapper guy? Well, he's the dude over there in the, the black shirt that says Dapper on it. Oh, okay, well, oh, yeah. thanks for selling the gimmick, John. Of course. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> No, I always affectionately say we're in like the uh, the rock and roll sector of the cigar industry, you know. So you can wear the the tennis shoes, the jeans, and the the hoodie or the whatever you want, you know. The rock and roll corner of the cigar industry is definitely where I would want to be. You know, you've got your Drew Estates, you've got your used to be used to have your Camacho. Yeah, you know, the, the, that's good company. Yeah, says the man wearing a vest right now. Hey. <laughs> I'm not saying I would fit in in that crowd. I'm just saying it's a good place to it's be. It's where you would like to be. Yeah. Yeah, those who can't do try way too hard. Okay. That's the story of my life. Right. <laughs> well, it was, it was interesting because this guy, the, the whole outfit just screamed dapper. <laughs> and then it turns out he's the CLE rep. Right. Oh, man. And I don't even remember his name. He's uh, the Alabama CLE rep. Uh, Joe. Um, Joe. Yeah. Nice guy. Nice as he could be, but... All right, so, so you were kind enough to bring us a couple of sticks today. Why don't you tell yeah. us about what we're smoking? So we're all going to smoke the uh, the La Madrina, which is kind of our, I would say, our flagship cigar. This is the cigar everybody kind of starts with. It's our number one seller, our most popular cigar. Um, so we're going to smoke it in the size we call Robusto. And there's a funny story behind this size because there was a mix-up with the paperwork when this cigar was made. So the Robusto, as you can see, is uh, it's about five and three quarters by 50. So it's essentially a Toro. Yeah. And the size we call Toro is five and a quarter by 54. So it's a Robusto. <laughs> so there was a, there was a flip-flop in the, uh, the factory, the paperwork filing with the FDA, and it was just uh, it was too complicated back then and too much time, I think, to kind of uh, get it fixed. <laughs> and so now that the, you know, last year the FDA stuff was looming, so we, we were prepared to fix the sizes. We're going to finally fix the sizes this year. I think it's so funny. We talk about that on the show a lot. You know, the fact that uh, there's really no regulation between what you name your sizes in this industry. You know, some people will, would call that uh, a Corona Gordo. Some people would call it El Burro. Some people would call it the... the you know the machine. Yeah, any number. Of, how nice is it that this time it actually it, there's a benefit to it because yeah. that saved you guys a lot of time, energy, money. <laughs> yeah, no, it's nice. Uh, I mean, I think uh, I think retailers and cigar consumers always appreciate the kind of standardized sizing. Robusto, 
Toro, Churchill, Corona Gorda, Gordo, all that stuff. Um, even though it's fun to see something named something really funny, it uh, on the back end of things, it can make things complicated for, for some people. Yeah. So I've had the El Bracho. We both smoked the El Bracho on the show a couple of times. Nice. And um, we've had I've had the natural and the Maduro, but for me the brand really sings with the Desvalido. The Desvalido is the one that I enjoy. I had that one with Robbie actually before this shop ever opened. Before any of these things you see here was actually here. Is I, that the one I've got for later? Yeah, that's the one right. I told you to pick up for later. I, uh, I walked up on the end of you guys recording that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Desvalido, and yeah, so of course I bumped it half a point because the rep walked up. Right, of course, you, you, you got to. Yeah, you kind of have to. <laughs> you got to keep me humble. But I have not had this one yet, and I'm pretty excited. I, this is, now, is this the strongest in the line? Is this the most full in the line? What's the most full cigar in the line? I mean, the most full lot in the line right now is going to be Desvalido. And then we're going to have an, a second Siempre blend coming out in... Next month, in March, because it's finally February. (laughs) Um, And so those two will kind of be the strongest fuller body cigars we have. So I would say, like, Siempre Sun Grown, Siempre Rosado, Desvalido, those are going to be our three, like, strong full body cigars. Uh, La Madrina is more of a medium plus. So just to give you the wrapper binder filler, because I know people like that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. it's, it's an Ecuador Habano wrapper, a Mexican San Andreas binder, there's Dominican, Nicaraguan, and Pennsylvania broadleaf tobaccos in the filler. So it, it, it's got a little bit of a unique kind of complexness to it. Just because of that Pennsylvania gives you a little bit of a little bit of oomph without overpowering you. Um, you know, the sweet and spicy complexity of a Habano leaf is kind of melded, in, melded together with, uh, with the San Andreas binder to give you that rich kind of chocolatey note. So it's kind of like a spicy chocolate bar at the end of the day is how I kind of like to describe it. And it seems like Ecuadorian and San Andreas can blend together real well. It seems like those are two tobaccos that kind of offset each other really well. Now, I've never, I don't know that I've had one that had a San Andreas binder. I've had a lot of San Andreas wrapper and San Andreas filler. This is the first San Andreas wrap or binder I've ever had. Oh, Trace thinking hard. I, I, I'm to thinking very hard back on that, and I can't contradict you. Not that I was necessarily trying to, but I was just trying to, to either validate or contradict, and I can do neither. <laughs> you can neither support or deny these claims. Exactly. <laughs> what are you, running for pol- politics? Well, it's the first time for everything. Yeah, so, <laughs> that, that is true. Okay, so Dapper really exploded on the scene, like I said, about the middle of last year. Out here, yes. Yeah. When when did they launch? Where did they launch? Tell us a little bit about Dapper. Yeah. So Dapper was founded in 2013 by my boss, Ian Reith. Uh, and he lives out in Fresno, California. So that's where our office is. That's where he lives. Um, that's where we ship all of our cigars out of. Uh, and so we've always had more of a strong presence, like out west, you know, California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada those kinds of states and so what that gives us is um you know we're basically for all intents and purposes a new brand out here so we get kind of the excitement of a new brand out here but we've got the kind of the you know the uh, the backbone of an established brand we've been around the block a few times so we kind of have the things like inventory and and things that we need to kind of run a, a tight ship as a cigar company with still having people excited to kind of have a new brand rolling around and getting people excited to smoke so you're 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 an established brand that operates like a startup yeah i mean I'm that's got to be a lot of fun yeah and and it wasn't until like 2019 that ian kind of made some moves to start pushing sales out this side of the country you know i, uh, I met him at the trade show of 2019 and uh we kind of hit it off and we, we stayed in touch after and i was i was working in another sales position at the time and but we stayed in touch, and, and he was kind of hiring his first brokers for, like, the Midwest, the Northeast, the Southeast, and Florida. You know, brokers are sales guys that represent multiple cigar brands. Right. They don't just work directly for one brand. Um, and so he was kind of – that was the first first time he's ever done that, like, kind of this side of the Mississippi, if you will. Um, and so, you know, got about a year of growth in some of those territories, and – and I kind of came in shortly after when I when I was looking for a new opportunity. Um, you know, I 
I was talking to Ian about how his brand was doing, and I've always been a fan of Dapper. I mean, I've been a boutique guy ever since, really, I started smoking. Um, and so when we started talking about the brand and how he was feeling about some things and how I was feeling about some things, uh, and I was looking to make a switch, I, I just jokingly said, you know, well, if you ever need, you know, if you ever need, you ever want to hire an in-house rep, just put me on the list, you know? He was like... Yeah, I think so. And he didn't even think about it. He's like, "Yeah, let's 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 start moving on that." <laughs> and so, uh, talk about a pitch that lands. <laughs> I was like, "All right." <laughs> and so, you know, over the next next two months, I think we kind of we're starting to get together. You know, uh, all the things you got to get together to hire your first employee and right. and all that stuff. Because I'm I'm the first full time employee of Dapper. Gotcha. Um, so there's me. Uh, Ian and another guy named Alex. Uh, Alex is a, a partner in the brand. He's a national sales manager-ish. Uh, but he also brokers other brands in other territories. So, like, you know, everybody at some point, we've got some guys that do international distribution for us, but they've also got their hands in other pies and stuff like that. So so you're the only person that trusted the brand enough to put all of your eggs in this basket. <laughs> Seems like it. No. Uh, and, and a lot of these projects some of these other guys have are, like, not really, they're cigar related, but it might be like cigar accessories or right. things like that. Like, um, you know, our international sales guys have, uh, distribution guys have, um, they also distribute, um, these hand blown glass, uh, glass ashtrays gotcha. that are just beautiful. Okay. Called, uh, it's a, it's like a Czech name. It's Svetrium, I think. It's like CZ. I think yeah. I've seen those around. Yeah. yeah. They, they look like a salamander's head. Yeah. Yeah. I have one and it's beautiful. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm such a sucker for hand-blown glass. Yeah. It's one of those things that, like, whenever whenever I make it, I'm going to have glass sculptures all over my house. Oh, yeah. Whenever uh, I arrive. <laughs> so I was I was playing around on the website, bef- you know, leading up to this just to kind of get a little bit more information. So one of the things, first of all, the website, top-notch. I mean, if you guys are really setting the stage for what a cigar company's website should look like. Good. I didn't have anything to do with it. Well, uh, <laughs> um, one of the things that impressed me the most, so one of the things that I absolutely hate that companies do is when you can tell that their PR person has absolutely no sense of humor, but decides that they want their company to be known for having a sense of humor, and it falls flat, and it looks ham-fisted. This is not that. Oh, good. This, I mean, the sense of humor and the playfulness that comes through, especially in the descriptions and the bios for the team, yeah. is brilliant. Now, is that Ian coming through? Is that his sense of humor? Yeah. Or is that, so, yeah. is, so that kind of filters through the whole company. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Ian and I came up with mine together, uh, my, my little bio. Uh, he kind of wrote the the skeleton of it, and I basically played um, what's the uh, the words the copy blank, editor the the blank you know uh, Mad Libs yeah I basically <laughs> played Mad Libs with some blanks uh, <laughs> to do it um, yeah that's that's kind of Ian shining through and, and that, I think that's kind of why we all get along so well is we all kind of have that sense of humor and um, the the kids smoking cigars on the uh, the website for our pictures um, those aren't pictures of us uh, those are really just random Google search images of that's you, hysterical if you Google children smoking a cigar pretty much all those pictures come up and so, you get put on a list somewhere eh. <laughs> I mean we were on that list a way, long time way before that <laughs> so I don't want you to necessarily give away your company your secret to your success here but I've got to ask, you seem to have found more success than most boutique cigar companies do getting their cigars in shops. And maybe it's just regional. Maybe it's just around here, but it seems to me that more and more, you see a lot of boutique cigar companies come in and go that are new cigar companies. And what do you think is kind of contributed to, to your success rate? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think, um, you know, people tend to like our cigars, which is helpful. Kind of always the, the first thing, uh, first and foremost. But, you know, our, our kind of goal as a company is to offer, you know, good, consistent cigars at a fair price 
um, and our, our price points are kind of in that fair to midland boutique company price. You know, on the low end, on the shelf, you know, Kubo Sumatra is nine dollars and fifty cents, depending on the size, and you know, you go smoke something like a Siempre Sangro, it's a little more expensive. Uh, it's about thirteen dollars, but we're kind of in that that ballpark, which is kind of competitive with other boutiques. So I think that really helps us to not be, you know, I'm not somebody a brand nobody's familiar with pushing fifty dollars cigars, because really the only brand I think that's worked for is Nelson Alfonso's brand with the By- Byron and the Atabay, you know. But other than that, it's really tough to come in and push really expensive cigars on people because you always do have to think about the uh, the big established companies, what their price points are, why their customers are smoking that, and things like that. But, you know, in terms of this region, you know, we're in Middle Tennessee. I, I live in Middle Tennessee. So uh, I've always had a strong relationship with a lot of the retailers out here, uh, whether it was from my days working retail or, or uh, as, a, as a cigar broker. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, people knowing me and knowing the work that I do, I think it, you know, puts a little bit of confidence in people. I still had to work for it. It wasn't just, I didn't just walk in my first day at Dapper and here we go. You know, everybody's people just start throwing money at you. Give me orders. You know, it was still a, it was still, still a little bit of a grind and, and and I still have some, some work to do in in some other parts of the, the South here. But, um, but you know, once somebody takes a chance on the brand, you know, we're seeing, you know, I think that our cigars are uh, appealing enough visually that people are interested, that draws their eyes, people want to pick it up. And so, uh, but I also try to partner with retailers that go into the humidor with their customers that are, that are pushing new brands that are encouraging their customers to smoke outside of their normal. Um, so I've noticed that, you know, no customers really given anybody any pushback on trying our cigars for the first time. And almost every time somebody smokes it, they always come back for more of the same or try something different. So that's always good to, good to, to see it's good feedback and it, it gives me more feedback to be able to give to more retailers to give them more confidence in the brand so it's kind of like the dominoes start to fall uh and, and my goal with the brand is is i don't want to be i don't want to be the only cigar brand that somebody smokes you know when i when i'm talking to a customer in somebody's humidor trying to give them my my two-minute elevator pitch on dapper and why they should smoke our cigars you know I always tell people, I'm not trying to be the only brand that you smoke. You're not going to hurt my feelings when you tell me what other cigars you like to smoke, what other, what other cigars you smoke. You're not going to hurt my feelings if, you know, you, even if you say you don't like the cigar, because at least you tried it once, you know. Um, but I try to, you know, I try to not be the only brand people smoke, because I think that's unrealistic. I think the days of the single brand smoker are kind of phasing out. Um, yeah, we yeah, call even them. your even your most monogamous smoker, yeah, and and I would say that I fall in that category. Still branch out to to three or four, maybe you know, maybe don't smoke the whole pantheon, but uh, left to my own devices, it's it's a handful, and I think that's far more common than someone who just buys box upon box upon box of the same thing for right. thirty years until they die. Does that make me a polyamorous cigar smoker because I smoke different cigars almost every day? It makes you a promiscuous cigar smoker. Yeah. Well, no, I can't. See, Poly- promiscu- polyamorous would require a, an established relationship with each of the various, whereas whereas you don't have any ties to anything. You'll just take anything that that burns. I'll get you the. <laughs> well, but I will say, as I'm going through my permi- promiscuity of the cigar realm, as I'm going through it, the number one thing, the cigar has to be structurally sound. Absolutely. If it doesn't, even even if I don't like the flavor, I can always respect a cigar that the draw's got to be right. It doesn't need to explode in my hand like we're at the circus. Right. You know, I don't want to cut it in a large crack, come up the wrapper. Right. And and that's what I was, that's what I was trying to, I'm trying to kind of change some people's perspective on things, whether it's retailers or customers and consumers, things like that. Um, You know, you should always expect a cigar to do the objective things right things that you can objectively say make a good or bad cigar you know is the cigar rolled properly does it draw well does it burn well it doesn't have to burn razor sharp because that's not always the case that's an unrealistic expectation right you know but and can you tell that the tobacco has been well fermented well aged you know the process is done right you know you you can put the cigar in your mouth and objectively taste young tobacco 
you know, it's got that real metallic, acrid ugh, taste to it. And you can tell that a cigar needs to rest a little longer. And so if the cigar does everything objectively right, then I think that it's a good cigar. You know, whether or not I like the taste of the cigar is a totally different and subjective story than what the cigar objectively does well. So we try to do everything objectively well as we can so that everybody has a good opportunity to hopefully like the way our cigars taste, you know. Yeah. But you can't make a cigar that everybody's going to love. No, I, you, no. If you did, there'd, like Trey says, there'd only be one cigar in the humidor. That's right. If we all had the same power. So the La Madrina, as I'm sitting here smoking it, um, just had the retro hell on it. Got real oaky on the retro hell, which yeah. I really like. Good. Um, I like the spice. Of course, the the construction's perfect. The draw is medium to stiff. Good. It's not so stiff you can't draw it, but mine's just, what would you classify it, kind of medium stiff? No, I would say it, it's butter. That's exactly what I look for in terms of draw. That's that's perfect for me. It's, 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 it's a hair more than drinking out of a straw, yeah. and that's just perfect. Yeah, and I think that's my... So my taste has always been I want it to feel like I'm drinking out of a straw. Right. But... That does that really, as everybody listens to the show regularly knows, I'm a fast smoker. Yeah. And that's probably contributes to it. So when I get one of just a little stiffer draw, it kind of gives me a ability to slow down. It's, it's a governor on your cigar. It right. controls your speed. Right. Yeah. Hey, man, that's, a, that's another one of our million-dollar ideals. We get, like, caps for cigars. The cigar governor? Yeah, the cigar governor. They'll either slow down your burn or speed up your burn. I believe that's called the shirkin. <laughs> That's a terrible cutter. Terrible, terrible. Um, so we are running up on the break. We've uh, definitely got a lot more to talk about. Uh, we've got a couple of, of news articles we want your input on, but we also want to want to spend some time finding a little bit more about you personally and how you got into the cigar industry. So we're gonna we're gonna take a step away, and then we'll be back with more after this. Sure thing. Cigar cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting next to the man whose favorite part of Groundhog Day is four drumsticks, Mr. Trey Dead. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to bed last night, and the, the last thing my wife said to me before she fell asleep was, I'm mad at us. We forgot to celebrate Groundhog's Day. <laughs> How exactly do you celebrate? We watched your- the movie. Oh, you watch the Groundhog's Day. Now, you see, I love the fluff news piece in the morning with all the guys in top hats and Hoxitani <laughs> Phil and the peanut butter sandwich. I love the fact that, that someone did the math on I was reading an article yesterday, and over the course of the last few decades, I think going back to about the 80s, they ran the numbers on it, and Punxsutawney Phil has a 40% accuracy rating. He's worse than a coin flip. <laughs> I just find that brilliant. Well, the, the fact that we're taking our weather advice from a burrowing animal probably says something about who we are as a society anyway. It, I'm, it, it's, it's no worse or better than the guy standing in front of the weather map every morning in Nashville. Well, that's true. <laughs> Seems like it. <laughs> and, but there's too, there's too many factors. But let's go back to cigars. But, uh, once again, our guest is John Graves. He's here with Dapper Cigar Company. Dressed very dapper, but dressed not very dapper no, today. No, not, not at all. <laughs> and I, Okay, do you ever feel the urge to work the gimmick? I know I'm obsessed with this. You'll have to kick me later for no, this. No, it's, it's fine. Uh, you know, it's weird. So where did the name Dapper Cigars come from? Yeah. I'm, I see the dapper, I see the pomade hair solution. Pocket watch. Pocket watch, bow tie, all that stuff that you really look. And I bet that has nothing to do with the name Dapper. No. It doesn't, because uh, Ian himself isn't a very dapper guy. Um, you know, I can always count, I can count on. Uh, I always joke. Everybody always makes the uh, the dapper Dan joke. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, haven't heard that one before. Uh, but uh, so the name comes from, you know, when. So I'll give you a little bit of backstory on kind of how the company was started with this too. Um, so Ian is a he works in the uh, computer field. And I'm not sure 
anything more specific than that. So, because I, I don't work in the computer field. He does something with computers as well. Um, and so, you know, at first, back in 2013, kind of 2012, I guess is when he kind of started going down to Nicaragua, he was a cigar consumer first, I think how most, most people are. So he wasn't kind of born into tobacco. Uh, it's not, he's not third generation Cuban or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but he, he was a cigar consumer first. And he, he tells me like this. He says, for some reason, I had the bright idea that getting my own cigar made would be cheaper than buying them from the store all the time. I think a lot of cigars have started that way. I think that's similar to the Crux story. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and he said, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Uh, so the first cigar that he had made was the Cubo Claro uh, that was made at the Esteban Carreras factory. And so that's our, just, it, it was a Connecticut shade, Nicaraguan binders and fillers. Uh, and then he shortly, he was like, well, I don't want just one cigar to smoke for the rest of my life. He's like, why not two? So he goes and he gets the Cubo Maduro made. So he's now got a Connecticut and a Maduro. And, uh, and so we've recently moved the production of those cigars from Esteban Carreras to Noxa with everything else in Esteli. That's a little tidbit for you. That's where our cigars are made. And so those, and so those two blends, the kind of the two original blends, those are kind of out of production right now. They're about to start back. Uh, those will come back with a new, new boxes and, and maybe a new blend, maybe not. It just kind of depends. We're still looking at those. But, um, and so, so he has these two cigars, and he, he gets some bands made for them and stuff, and he's like, he'll give them... He would give them to people who come over to his house and things like that, give them to his buddies, and eventually they started making their way around to the shops and stuff. And he's like, well, I got all these cigars. He's like, I got to sell them, but I got to, you know, I got to have a company if I'm going to sell cigars, you know, because people were taking a liking to the cigars Mm kind of out in the California area, Southern California and stuff. And and he was like, well, I got to have a company name. So he's smoking out on his porch with one of his friends one night. His friend takes like a look at the cigar and he says, that's a real dapper looking cigar. And he says, boom, dapper cigars. Now I have a name for my cigar company. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the story of the name. You know, he's not a, he's not a guy that walks around like a full three piece suit and a top hat all the time. You know, there's no, nobody has a monocle in the company or anything like that. Missed opportunity. Maybe. <laughs> but, but no. Yeah. I still think you need to do the full dress one day. You look like you're, you know, fixing to hit the golf links. That's kind of what oh, I present. What a picture. At, at, at PCA next year, I think that's, you guys are all three-piece tweed suits, <laughs> slick back hair, pocket watches, monocles. Well, well I, got the, I got the hair part down. Yeah, you do. You've uh, got that going for you. My, my rule of thumb for uh, going to see cigar shops is, for the most part, um, you don't have to wear like a dress shirt or dress pants or anything like that. Some companies require you to. Uh, mine does not. And so... Um, my, my rule of thumb is always closed-toed shoes and pants. That's and a then, good... That's, yeah. yeah. It's always a good policy. You don't yeah. want to show up in board shorts and flip-flops. Right. Unless, unless no you work be, for Caldwell. Although, right. although I have <laughs> seen some people that do that. Hey, right. if you work for Caldwell, you can go board shorts and but, flip-flops. But kind, of, but kind of past that, you know, nobody's really like... In the cigar industry, nobody's really like, uh, oh, you know, he came in and... He's wearing a, a hoodie and jeans. Like, I'm not going to buy his cigars, you know. Because what's the owner going to be wearing behind the, ca- right. behind the counter? You know what I mean? Uh, but I mean, there's a few shops in my territory. Like, I keep, like, a suit jacket in my car. If we do, like, an event or something, they do, like, the reps to have, like, a, like a jacket on. And uh, I will oblige and, and not, not make a scene about that. But usually, you know, it's usually pants, some kind of closed-toed shoe, and... Maybe kind of a pullover. I am a little casual today. I'm just wearing a hoodie. I usually don't normally just wear a hoodie, but uh, I'm never full-on dapper or anything like that. So, <laughs> Well, let's hit an article real quick, because this is an interesting article, and I know that you're a, a more of a liquor man than I am, so I'm interested to get your take on it. This is off Rob Report. $2 million whiskey set includes a 30-year-old single malt, a Fabergé egg, and a bespoke watch. What is a Fabergé egg? Trey, that's your category, man. I was wondering if, it, if you were going to pitch that to Trey, me. Or. Trey's got this one, I guarantee you. you if know, anybody would know Fabergé egg, it's I Trey. mean, I know they have, like, precious metals and stuff. Yeah, it's but. essentially just an ornate tchotchke that okay. became famous a couple hundred years ago. 
Good and um, I, I didn't realize they were still being made, but looking at this, it, it looks like it was made specifically for the set. So apparently Fabergé is still out there doing stuff. I'm in the wrong, um, I'm in the wrong business. This is set with an emerald that looks to be about, you know, eight carats or something. That's a massive emerald. But um, very beautiful. And the Fabergé actually makes the watch as well, which I didn't know they were in the watchmaking business, but they apparently are they are. <laughs> I admire that you can look at the picture of an emerald and guess the carats. Oh, I, that's, I, we have a, we have a joke in my house about being captain weights and measures. <laughs> I'm, we, we buy our meat at Costco and, you know, it comes in like eight pound trays and I break them down into one pound increments and we yeah. freeze them and that's how, right. that way it's already portioned out. Yeah. And I, over half of my selections will be perfect spot on a pound every time. I can just, I can see it. Yeah. Well, okay. Pound is impressive. But if you can call stones and carrots, then you're really doing something. When you've been married three times and have to pick out engagement rings, it kind of helps. Yeah, I, I guess us guys that are only married once don't, spend, don't pick out carrots. You don't spend once. as much time looking at precious stones and analyzing their oh, weight man. as I do. Well, this would be the perfect gift for me <laughs> if somebody's feeling generous. Because I am a big whiskey fan. Um, I'm a new Fabergé egg fan now that I know more about them. Yeah, there you I go. Might, now I that might, you know it's eight carrots. I might start to build a, a Fabergé egg collection. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm starting to get the watch bug. So, well, I, I, that's, a, that's, a that's starting to become a cigar rep in this area thing. Is everyone's obsessed with watches now. Everybody gets the watch bug. My dad and I are going through the watch bug together. My dad and I are pretty much almost always talking about either bourbon and scotch or watches at this point. Um, it's the only thing connected to me and my father. It's a perfect Father's then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only thing connected to me and my old man. No, not really. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's just odd. It, it seems to be like, but, you know, in the South at least, all of the cigar reps, we kind of like to hang out together. Yeah. If we can. If we all, you know, we, we pretty much all get along. Do you have a forerunner as well? <laughs> no, I don't have a Forerunner. Uh, that I, seems to be the preferred vehicle for the cigar reps in the area. I, I used to live with a cigar rep uh, last year. I lived with the, the Drew State rep out here. Oh, okay. We were roommates for about a year, uh, which is like the perfect scenario if you're a cigar rep because you get to come home to an empty apartment because right. you're both gone all the time. Uh, and then you get to hang out with your buddy on the weekend. And you never run out of cigars. You never, exactly. run, out of, never run out of cigars. Um and so, you know, you, when you're home for a week, you have the apartment to yourself. That's pretty great. Um, the off week that you're both in town is kind of cool because you get to hang out a little more and you hang out on the weekends. And that's about it. But it's just like the perfect scenario because, you know, you don't feel like you're, uh, you know, you're getting somebody's getting one over on you. You're paying half the rent or whatever. And you're right. like never there. Um, but uh, it was a good it was a good uh, it was a good gig. And then he so, bought a house. So. <laughs> and your, didn't invite you to come with him. No, that, and I understand. <laughs> What's your go-to drink for your cigar? When you're going to sit down, and does it change ver- depending on which cigar you're smoking, or do you have a go-to, this is my bottle that I'm going to go to when I want to just relax and have a cigar? So I, I am more of a bourbon guy than a scotch guy. My scotch tastes are very... I, I have tried a lot of scotch, and I have really narrowed it down to the regions that I like. I really like the super peaty Isla smoky scotches. And then I really like the Talisker scotch, which is kind of on the north side of the island by the sea. Um, so that's kind of it in terms of scotch that I drink regularly. It's either super peaty or kind of salty. Um, and that pairs well with some cigars, but I'm, I'm a bourbon guy kind of more than anything. Well, bourbon and rye guy. Um, but I mean, I'm a fan of anything Buffalo Trace. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to admit I'm a Buffalo Trace fanboy. <laughs> um, but I have, I think I took inventory the other day. I have like 57 bottles of whiskey at the house. Wow. That's an impressive collection. So um, I have a little bit of everything. <laughs> and so, and it's funny, I'm usually drinking something like Eagle Rare or Buffalo Trace, I think, with the most frequency. But uh, in terms of... In terms of like rye, I, I like like the, the Sazerac rye, Victor's rye, things like that. Um, I just try to find if I just don't want whatever I'm drinking to overpower what I'm smoking, vice versa. So if I'm if I'm smoking like a lighter cigar, I'm not gonna get one of those like super heavy peaty scotches for, per se, because um, that one's gonna outshine the other. If I'm smoking like a super 
strong cigar or something, I'm not going to get some like a bourbon that's maybe a lower proof or maybe, you know, something with kind of a lighter profile in the bourbon because it's not going to mix well. But other than that, I always encourage people to smoke what you want to smoke and drink what you want to drink because that's going to be the best pairing for you. Right. Um, I was I, I was always a big fan of that very peaty scotch as well. Yeah. I, it tastes like a campfire in your mouth kind of thing. I love it. And um, but I do I, I did find like you said, that it can have a tendency to overpower, you know what yeah. you're supposed to. But it's it that but that doesn't necessarily make it a bad pairing. It's just all about what that per, what the particular person wants to wants to drink. If you're enjoying the taste in your mouth, then you're good. Then you're good. Not to make it weird. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you got into cigars to begin with. Sure thing. So I am probably one of the younger guys in the industry. Uh, I'm 23. I'll turn 24 this year. Uh, I've been smoking cigars since I was 18. Okay. Back in the day <laughs> when you could smoke at 18. <laughs> um, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> so I was... I was like only, I was 22 when that law changed. So I was like, you just made made it. I was like, I made it. I'm safe. Um, And so I was a cigar consumer, I think for maybe about eight months before I started working retail. Um, That's a short transition period for most. I am one of those people that when I get into something, I'm I'm in. Full in, both feet. I want to know everything about it. I want to, I want to be in it. I I love it. That's what I am. You know, Shane and I are the same way. Yeah. Every time we pick up a new hobby, we we jump in with both feet and buy all the things and research all the things. And so, you know, by the time I was nineteen, out of high school, college, I was working another job. I used to be a martial arts instructor at a summer camp, and so, uh, so it gave me good time to do both things. But I was like, well, I don't have a lot of money. Like uh, cigars are great, but they're really expensive. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how, how do I get that? Let me get that discount. So it's really the only reason I started working at a cigar shop was so I could get a discount on cigars, so I could keep smoking and afford them and stuff like that. And uh, it just so happened that I really enjoyed working retail cigars, and I was able to get more hours and things like that. And eventually, you know, you start to get to know some of the cigar reps coming in and out. And uh, I was kind of adrift at the time, if you'll say. I, I dropped out of college eventually to do the whole cigar thing, but I was going to college for... Something I wasn't passionate about, just kind of, just to say you did, just kind of keeping my head above water, mm-hmm. barely, you know. And I was like, I'm not really, like, I hate it here, you know. Yeah. And I was like, what am I gonna do? And I, I got to know some of the cigar reps, and so I sit down with a rep, and I'm like, man, give it to me straight. I'm thinking about possibly pursuing a career in this kind of part of the cigar industry. I said, give it to me straight. I want the good, the bad, the ugly. What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? You know, things like that. And we sat and talked for, you know, maybe about an hour and a half about it. And he was like, you know, it's a lot of time on the road. But as a young guy, that's... I'm young. I'm not married. So I don't have any kids. And it it was perfect. Uh, But he was like, you know, it's a lot of time on the road, but you you get to go somewhere different. It's something different every day. Things like that. I have to do a lot of paperwork, but depending on who you work for, it might not be a lot of paperwork, but things like that and you know so the pros the cons you, know, you get all the, the cigars you could ever smoke you know right. <laughs> and then some and just hope you rep a brand that you enjoy their cigars right <laughs> and um, and so you know after that he was like well why don't you why don't you tag along with me for a day that I'm, I'm in town and he's like you know well uh, I'll show you what like a typical day for me is like and see if you like it and so that's what we did we kind of did the um, we, we were in Nashville, so we did kind of the Murf- Murfreesboro to Mount Juliet to Madison to Hendersonville to White House route. That was the day. Gotcha. And uh, anybody that knows their local Middle Tennessee geography knows. <laughs> I was knows, about to say, I know exactly which stores is hitting. Knows one, where the stores are, and two, it's a little bit of a drive even to be in Middle Tennessee, you know. Um, yeah. But I was like, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Like, it was great. So, so, yeah, and he was like, man, I'll keep my ear to the ground for you, you know, and, and I'll let you know if I hear anybody's looking, I'll throw your name in the ring and things like that. And, and my boss uh, and the cigar shop, I used to work at the, the Humidor in Murfreesboro, so, so Mike at the So humidor. he's seen a lot of people come in and work for him and then take the transition, so he's yeah. familiar with that. Oh, yeah, and I was like, Mike, I think I want to be a cigar rep. He's like, yeah, I think you'd be great. He's like, uh, if somebody reaches out to me, I'll, I'll, I'll help you any way I can, you know. 
always what you want to hear from a yeah. boss. And so eventually, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, it probably took me maybe eight months to get a to get my first interview, um, and that didn't go through, which was fine. Because uh, then a couple months later, I, I got another interview um, with the brokerage firm that I ended up working with for a year. Um, I represented some great brands, but I kind of realized that the broker thing not for me. I'd like to work directly for a cigar company. Yeah. And um, found a cigar company that I loved and said, give me a job, please. <laughs> and that's how that happened. So okay, that's, that's kind of my journey through cigars. And, and I, I credit my dad to getting me into cigars, even though my dad's never smoked anything in his life. Like not, not a cigarette, not a cigar, nothing. Uh, not, no crack. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when I turned 18... He said, oh, you know, big, big man now. I want you to go. I hear there's this cool cigar shop down on the square in Murfreesboro. You should go, go get you a cigar. Celebrate. Because that's all he knew about cigars, you know. And, and for a lot of people, that's what cigars mm-hmm. are. You smoke a cigar on, like, a big occasion. Right. And that's all you know about them. And then there's people like us who are fully into the hobby um, and, and smoke cigars multiple times a day, things like that, And uh, which I didn't know at the time. But I was like, yeah, I think I'll try it out. And... I maybe just kind of brushed it off for like eight to ten months, you know? And then I was getting my hair cut uh, uh, on the square in Murfreesboro. And I was like, man, I think I'm going to do it. So as I walked in to the cigar shop and I said, uh, I said, I don't know anything about cigars. I'd like to try some. Uh, help. <laughs> I didn't do any research beforehand, anything like that. I just walked in. And I was like, I'd, I'd like to try it. And so they were like, well, you know, there's, there's different price points, mild, medium, full. There's flavored, non-flavored, things like that. And I, I ended up going with uh, one traditional cigar, one sweet and infused cigar, just to try both. I was like, well, I'll try both and see what's going on. So the first cigar I ever smoked was a Rocky Patel Cameroon, the one with the blue band. Yeah. And it was good enough to keep me interested. Yeah. I was like, I liked this. This was good. This was good. I was like, there's probably I see, more. I see what this is all about. There's probably more to this. And so the next cigar I smoked, I think, was like a Fat Bottom Betty by Drew Estate. And I was like, yeah, you know, the sweet cigars, they're, they're okay. You know, and maybe every once in a while. Uh, again, I, I still like this. I'm right. still interested. It wasn't a, a heinous experience. And so eventually I kind of started getting around and smoking more brands and was able to uh, kind of narrow my, my profiles down. And, oh, I'm really liking a lot of these boutique stuff and started exploring the world of boutique cigars. And, you know, I still smoke some of the bigger manufacturer stuff, too. I got for me, if it's a good cigar, I'm going to smoke it. If, right. I, if I like it, I don't care who made it, I'm going to smoke it. Yeah. Uh, I try to avoid the band bias as much as possible. And that's hard. That's something we don't talk about on the show a lot, but that's really hard to overcome, that band bias. You know, you see, we've, we've been fairly critical of a couple of brands on the show in the past. And, oh, yeah. And it, it's really easy to just get stuck in that rut of, oh, I'm not going to smoke anybody, anything from this person. Right. But it, as soon as you, you know, you have the ability to get over that, you can find some real diamonds in the rough. Well, you, you hear all the time about these pranks people pull on other people. Take the bands off a cigar. You tell them it's something else. They smoke it. Oh, I love this. And they're like, actually, it's a cigar you told me you hated two weeks ago. Right. You'd never smoke anything from that brand. Um, you know, I mean, for me, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I think Altidus is putting out some of the best cigars they've done. I think they've, they've turned over a new leaf, and they're one of the biggest cigar companies. We and have for, been very complimentary of them lately. And yes. for for a while there, you know, oh, Romeo, Monty, whatever, you know, yeah, like they 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 taste like air, things like that, and and there's a real, you know, some of those original Re- Reserva Real Romeos, they don't have the heftiest of profiles, uh, but some of the new stuff they put out, that blue Romeo, the Nicaragua, yeah, the that's Real a, Nicaragua, yeah, that cigar is fantastic. Yeah. So, so for me, it doesn't matter where it came from. Like, it doesn't matter that it was a Romeo. It was a great cigar. Right. Yeah, you I know? think between Shane and I, we've smoked about three boxes worth of that cigar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't pick up, like, an 1875 Red Label Romeo, but that blue one was great. Yeah. And some of their other stuff, and, and some of the stuff General's putting out now, it's really good again. Mm-hmm. You know, for a while there, you could always just kind of say, oh, that's really good for, for the big guy. Right. Yeah, for a mass market cigar, because what I think what people tend to forget is when you have to service a bigger market of end consumers, there's not enough first pick prime leaf tobacco to go around. 
So you really do save that for your limited releases, your special cigars, so that you can use it to the full extent you can. Yeah. But when you're making millions and millions of cigars a year, you have to go down to some second, some third pick tobacco, which isn't bad. But if you're smoking a lot of boutique stuff, your profile starts to get skewed a little bit because we're making stuff in smaller batches. We're able to get, you know, the tobacco that we really, really want to use. Right. Because we don't have to make, you know, we don't have to make 25 million La Madrinas a year. Right. You know, in the factory. So there's more to go around. Right. The, yeah. the first pick tobacco, the, the primo stuff can be used, I think, with a little more advantage by something by like a boutique. Mm-hmm. But now the stuff that some of the big guys are putting out is just really good, too. Yeah. yeah and, and you and I were talking the other night up here at the, mm-hmm. at the grand opening party. And, and I think it was you that said, you know, there's not room to be just okay in the cigar yeah. industry right now. Yeah. And I think that's what the big guys finally caught on to yeah. a couple of years ago of, of the cigar industry is so full of great cigars that it's not enough to be just okay. Absolutely. You have to be, you have to have something. Yeah. You got to be better than just okay. And you got to have something that keeps people coming back. Whether it's a relationship that you feel like you have with that company or if it, you just really like that rep. You want to smoke their stuff because you like the rep, or you just really love the cigar, whatever it is. You know, we're kind of in the age of experiences now. Yeah. Because everybody's cigars are really good. So you can go throw a stone in Robbie's humidor here, and it's going to land on a good cigar. Right. You're going to have to pay for that broken cigar, (laughs) but it's going to be a good cigar. Right. And so now you kind of have to start to figure out other ways to reel people into your brand, whether it's through an in-store events. For me, I always feel like there's still no substitute for being in-store. Right. Especially being in kind of like a mid-tier, mid-sized boutique company. Um, you know, you got to be in the store. you got to be talking to people. you got to be doing stuff like this just to keep people interested and, and make people feel like they have some kind of connection to the brand. Um, well, and you know, the term we always end up using a lot is cigar for the money. Whenever we're ranking a cigar, we're always talking about what's the best cigar, you know, what's this for the money? If I'm paying $8 for a cigar, my my expectation is different than when I pay $14 for a cigar. Absolutely. And I always try to gauge my um, my experience. According to that, sorry, the garbage truck is apparently empty and outside as loudly as possible. And I'll... But and also the lounge. Every lounge kind of takes on their own personality. You no, have absolutely. mild cigar lounges. You have full cigar lounges. You have it's it's funny how different cigar guys kind of gravitate to different shops. Right. And especially here where you're dealing with you know here at Big Boys we're dealing with a new shop yeah. and they're still kind of trying to find their customer. What's their customer right. here in this market? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really been interesting to observe because that's one of the cool things is walking in the humidor with people and they say, well, do they have the Perdomo? Do they have this and that? Yeah. And they're always asking about the big brands. And they're like, yeah, but here's, this is a boutique that's a better version of that cigar. Right. Or just something different. You know, I always tell people you got to burn to learn. Right. You're never going to know what you like until you smoke it. You know, whether, whoever makes it, whatever it is, you're never going to know if you like that cigar until you smoke it. Even if you have hated every other cigar that that company has made, you don't really know if you don't like that new release until you smoke it. Right. And sometimes you prove yourself right. Yeah, I didn't like that cigar either. It's just not for me. Or sometimes you find a diamond in the rough, as we said. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and it just kind of it just depends on each person's individual palate. Everybody's palate Absolutely. is going to be different. And, and, and it's going to change. Yeah, My it, palate changes regularly. With the seasons, especially. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, one, I think one of the biggest hurdles for me to overcome in the beginning, uh, definitely being like a, a cigar rep and, and stuff is, you know, honestly, some cigar consumers really just aren't interested in diving super deep into the hobby. They have the cigar that they like. They are perfectly okay with that. They don't really want to, they know how much they're going to spend. They know what they're going to get. And they only smoke once a week, once a month, whatever. And they're good to go. And it's like, you know, at some point, you have to learn to kind of let those guys go because there's nothing wrong with the way that they're consuming cigars. Right. You know, well, not not everybody has to be the cigar nerd. The uh, I want to learn everything about cigars. I need to know what every boutique brand is coming out with. You know, yeah, there's there, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. That's there, right. Yeah. 
Well, and the general manager of this shop and I were sitting here Monday night having that very conversation. He said, one of the he's been out of the cigar business for a long time, and he's just got back into the cigar business. He's always been into cigars, but he just got back into the cigar business with this opportunity to be part of this store. And he said, that's been the biggest adjustment. He said, you know, my job, my sales pitch for my house plans is pretty standard. Yeah. I have a pretty standard script that I'm going to run to sell somebody a house plan. Yeah. And all, but cigars is different. People, some people walk in the humidor and it's pretty clear. They don't want to hear what you got to say. They know what they're there for. They know what they're looking for. They're going to grab it. And then you do have the guys that come in. Hey, I just started the hobby. I really want to know about this, that, and the other. And he was telling me that's been one of the big adjustments for him has been gauging when somebody walks in the humidor, what do they want out of him mm-hmm. and all. But, well, we're coming up on the end of the show right now. Absolutely. We're going to wrap it up. This has been an excellent cigar and all. I've really enjoyed it. The La Madrina, this first one I had, and it probably will definitely will not be the last. Well, good. Thanks for letting me ramble into the microphone for a little bit. No, we, we greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to sit down and talk with us. This has been a lot of fun. I, un- unfortunately, I'm, I, Shane and I both had COVID a couple of weeks ago. Ooh. I didn't have a single uh, symptom until the last day when I lost my sense of smell. Ooh. And therefore, my taste went with it. So I've not really been smoking anything new or different because I can't, I'm not going to be able to give it a fair shake. That being said, I'm actually getting something out of this that I haven't. So that, that tells me that this is absolutely a cigar to come back to once I can taste things again. Because it's, been, oh, it's been phenomenal. I'm good. getting a little oak. I'm getting a little honey. I'm getting a little bit of just that good, rich cigar flavor. Um, blindfolded. I might even... From lighting it on the front end, an A.J. Fernandez-type kick. There's a, there's a little bit of that spice in there, but again, that kind of goes to being one of the few flavors I can actually still taste. So I, yeah. I may be getting more of that than I would otherwise. So yeah. how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us on Facebook.com slash The Cigar Cast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast. And email info at TheCigarCast.com. Boom. And the website is DapperCigars.com. And you can go there and you can read John Graves' profile. You can t- see what cigars they have out. And yeah. You can even find out what retailers sell them near you. And you, I, you can also see links to all of their social media on the website yeah. as well. And I am Dapper Cigars John, all one word, on Instagram. It's kind of really the only social media I'm on in terms of the cigar industry. So, All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.